0: Welcome to our third season of Latinos Who Thrive. I am your host, Victor Escalante. Happy New Year. It's a new game plan for you to thrive. Today we have special guest, Jose Monterrosa. Jose is founder and president of Imagina Communications, an advertising and PR firm that specializes in Hispanic marketing. Jose is a distinguished professional who has engineered highly successful advertising and PR campaigns for companies, colleges, universities, Health and community agencies. So let's get started.
1: Welcome to our show, Jose. Thank you. Thank you for the invitation.
0: Jose, tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, Where are you originally from and how did you get to where you are?
1: Yes. So, long story, right? But I'm going to try to make it short. I was born in El Salvador. At this point, half of my life was spent in that country. Then I moved to California in my teens. Then I went back to El Salvador and then mid 1990s i was uh i was awarded a, a scholarship uh by the fulbright program and that's how i ended up going to michigan state that's where i got my graduate degree and uh, uh went back to el salvador spent a few years there working and then finally made it to houston in 2001 you know from that point everything has been, I think, uh, a little bit hard in the beginning because, you know, I I was basically new in the city. I didn't know anybody. Soon enough, I started making contacts and and opening my way, uh, getting to know people. And uh, that's how I ended up landing a job in Houston. Then I landed another job in San Antonio. And uh, at a certain point, I decided to go on my own. And uh, at this point, I had been uh, pretty much 19 years. Uh, running my own business, marketing and communications. The name of the company is Mahina Communications.
0: Jose, one of the things that we look at in this program is uh, some of the struggles that first generation or second generation immigrants face in America and especially in corporate America, some of the challenges and what they did to overcome these. What was the biggest cultural shock for you coming from El Salvador?
1: Like I mentioned, you know, not knowing the city and not understanding the business environment, the work environment, uh, that was, I will say, it is a barrier for any immigrant. Uh, but it depends. It's all on you, right? On how you overcome those barriers.
0: What did you do uh, to overcome those barriers?
1: Well, uh, I was very flexible. I was not, let me put it this way, I didn't stay inside a cluster, other immigrants. I basically went out and meet people, uh, people from different races, uh, from different backgrounds. And I think in a way that helped me integrate myself a little bit faster uh, and a little bit smoother into the city. And the fact that, you know, I was eager to have this new experience in Houston uh, and in and in Texas and, and the desire to succeed and move forward. So I think that the drive was there, the know-how was not necessarily there, a little bit of time for me to get integrated, but I I think I made it through. One of the things
0: that is common with a lot of guests on the program is they say that you gotta be connected. You gotta be able right. to network with key people and key organizations mm-hmm. uh, wherever you land. Right In your case, Who did you get connected with in Houston, and how did you do it, and what do you consider to be important about that?
1: So this is one of the things that uh, I will say that Latinos lack a lot, uh, especially low-income Latinos, unfortunately. Not understanding, and I'm not necessarily talking about an immigrant. I'm talking about someone that was born and raised uh, here in Houston, uh, not necessarily knowing, uh, or understanding how to climb those ladders inside corporate America, right? Obviously this, uh, someone that, uh, has been brought in, in a different environment, uh, will know that better, but that is not necessarily the case for a lot of, I would say low income Latinos. That, that is something that we as a community need to acknowledge and need to be uh, very, I guess, proactive on making sure that those that are going to schools, those that are graduating, those that are getting those new jobs, know how to navigate the system. So I'm speaking on behalf of you know, the community. Uh, in my particular case, uh, when I came to Houston, I guess a lot of things came naturally, but I didn't necessarily have the know-how. It was not until I met this uh, guy that I, that at some point he became my mentor, uh, and and this is the point in which I basically opened uh, my business and got certified as a minority owned company. He was the one that told me or explained to me, you know, the differences between New York and Texas. I mean, he used that example. Uh, very simple example uh, of how things operate in, in Texas. So he he was very straightforward with me. And he said, you know, you, you got to be present. Go get your business cards. Start networking, attending our events, introduce yourself. Uh, and he actually, you know, took me by attending one of the events that was being organized by the organization that he led. And he kind of showed me how to do it, right? And, and it's a simple thing for a lot of people. But that was not necessarily something that I knew or had the framework on how to do it. Uh, It may sound naive at this point, but in reality, it happens. Understanding how to do that and continuing to have that drive uh, to continue to open those doors is what I felt helped me a lot in the beginning. Eventually, over time, you kind of know how to navigate the system. Uh, which is the thing that I was mentioning at the beginning. And then, you know, you start building your hubs, right, throughout the city and through different organizations. Uh, Like in my particular case, I have been, and I continue to be, uh, as a matter of fact, part of four key organizations that I feel are essential. Why don't you go
0: ahead and tell uh, us what those are?
1: Well, the Houston Hispanic Chamber of Commerce is by far you know, one of them, uh, definitely. Which is that...
0: one organization that you have done a lot in yes. order to get them uh, PR. Yes, and, yes. And, they
1: actually and, became my client.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, <laughs> and you have done a lot of uh, advertising for them and a lot of uh, news stories uh, for them to basically help them to put them on the map. I know that you, you are humble and you wouldn't necessarily take much credit for that, but it's like, you're the secret sauce, really, the Secret sauce behind yeah. the growth yeah. of the yeah, Houston, Hispanic I, Chamber of Commerce. Go
1: ahead and own it. Fair enough, right? But, but I, I, I do have to give credit to Dr. Laura Murillo.
0: No question about it. She is yeah. the strategist. She's the Absolutely. strategist and visionary, but you're, you and other people are the guys that actually execute that. Exactly, Uh, And it takes knowledge and skill. And it also takes the networks that you have among media companies and other PR professionals in order to pull off some of the campaigns that you've done.
1: Correct. Yes, I agree. I mean, it takes a lot of solid leadership to run an organization like that. And it takes a very sharp team to execute, just like you said, right? Uh, So uh, they have been extremely successful throughout the years
0: but i want to circle back to networking Uh from what you're describing this is plain old old school influence marketing by Mm -hmm. getting connected to uh highly influential people Mm -hmm. that can vouch for your uh, integrity for your honesty for your skill sets that you bring to the table so that you don't have to struggle and spend the years trying to prove yourself in the marketplace.
1: Yes. And, and, and like I mentioned uh, before, you know, is building those hubs, right? You identify.
0: I know uh, what you mean by hubs, but uh-huh. tell the listeners what you mean by hub.
1: Like in the case of the Hispanic Chamber of Commerce, I mean, those are the composition of the organization is uh, mostly Latino business owners. So uh, by being present there and by uh, connecting uh, with the people that run the organization and with the people that are influential within the organization is extremely important Uh, and remaining visible as well. Right. Uh, Being at the events, continue to network, continue to share uh, your business card, something as simple as that, and, and continue to have conversations inside uh the the event itself or outside of it that is a hub in in my case that is a hub that i keep and and i care about you have other or i anyone can have any other hubs like the american leadership forum that's another extremely important organization Uh, i went through the leadership program that they have Uh, it took about a year Uh, but after completing uh that program uh, I basically got even more engaged with the organization to the point that I'm uh, I'm sharing the marketing committee uh, at the American Leadership Forum. Once you consolidate that hub, those hubs have like different branches. In fact, through the American Leadership Forum, I became connected with the Holocaust Museum. So branching out from those hubs that you build As you create your network, I like in my case, it's essential. I need to have it. I need to be there. I need to be present, and I need to show up as a leader. There's something that
0: is obvious to me, but it may not be so obvious to you or the listeners. It's like you provide value to the organization and to the individuals that you connect with.
1: Yes. Yes. I mean, you, you have to. Right, I mean, they they have to see value in you, so so you got to remain proactive, uh, and you have to volunteer, engage, and lead uh, within those organizations to the point that you just like you said, you are providing value to the organization itself, and they see that value in you, they respect you, uh, they allow you in, and then once you're in, it's it's a matter of continuing to uh, to build that network. Uh, obviously you know you anyone uh within this field has limited time right so so you have to be strategic about what you get involved with and decide whether by gaining ground within this organization you are actually going to provide value and you're going to have the time to actually provide that value uh to them so uh you you don't want to uh just be jumping from one place to the other and networking all over the place without having a strategic vision of of what you're trying to do.
0: Uh, Correct. So, Jose, tell us about the other hubs that you are connected with.
1: I was involved with the American uh, Marketing Association, the Houston chapter. I was a member of that organization for many years. Uh, I was actually on the board of the AMA for three consecutive times. Once I, you know, I had a role, you have to have a role to be on the board, right? I mean, you have to either lead a committee, just be part of it, uh, and, and just like you said, providing value. So uh, within the AMA, I basically led uh, all those initiatives that were related to the Latino market uh, in that time. And then over the years, uh, me and two other people within the AMA uh, basically created created a new concept within the uh, organization called AMA Academy, uh, which ended up being like once a month events that were supposed to provide some type of training uh, to those individuals that were either entering uh, the the market or had been in the market for uh, a, a little bit of time, but needed like a boost on a specific areas uh, or a specific skill. So, so that, that was the concept behind uh, the creation of AMA Academy. From the marketing point of view, AMA became almost like a platform for me to be introducing to the marketing and communications environment or industry uh, in Houston, because it is a leading organization by far. Uh, So being part of that, again, it became a hub that had different branches, and that led me to meet other people and make those connections, right? The thing is that you can almost exhaust uh, a hub to the point that, okay, I have been here uh, for so many years. I don't think this hub is, is going anywhere else. I need to move on to a new one and open that door on that new one. And 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 continue to uh, to maintain the one that you build, uh, like in my case through the AMA. This to me is a matter of knowing where you are going to be connected and how you are going to be uh, strategic about the value that you provide to those uh, organizations.
0: I met you in two thousand and eight, uh, right after the crash. Media, right after the crash, have a lot of industries. Mm-hmm. and i've seen your trajectory over the years and you have become a boutique hispanic marketing agency in houston with a very big footprint talk about what it took to get there over and above about having hubs of influence and being mm-hmm. connected to uh, and providing value to influencers
1: Yes, so it took a lot of patience. (laughs) I think that is one of the keywords here uh, because, uh, like I said, I mean, not knowing necessarily how the system works and how to navigate the system, I had to do a lot of trial in in the beginning. I think that over time I learned that. I'm curious about the hacks. If you were Mm -hmm.
0: advising the younger Jose just Mm -hmm. starting out in the marketplace, having Mm -hmm. his own small company, a small startup mm-hmm. in uh, PR communications and media, what mm-hmm. would you tell that younger jose
1: so uh, i I have actually uh, met a lot of people uh, or, uh, over time and, and you know that basically asked me the same question right uh, they are about to graduate and uh, from school and what do they need to do I mean the simple thing is 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 basically what I just said i mean uh, You want to make sure that you know which professional organization you're going to be involved with and uh, make sure that you start as a volunteer in one of the committees and doing basic stuff. Uh, Maybe spend six to eight months volunteering. And then at that point, you decide whether you want to lead uh, that committee that you were participating as a volunteer. And if so, you have to share that uh with leadership within the organization Uh, so you have to show up you have to be present right and and you have they have to see you as someone that that is providing value i mean you you move on you ask the question hey i want to be part of of your board Uh, what does it take to do that they start paying attention to you they give you all the guidelines the point here is that you have to reach that point within the organization that you get involved with to have that leadership role like in my case the AMA you cannot be a volunteer forever just showing up and doing the basic volunteer work no you have to scale uh, up within the organization and and remain there for maybe 2 or 3 years and at that point make that decision to either move to another professional organization or take another le- leadership role within the one that you have, that you are participating in. So that needs to happen. And the thing for someone that is entering the workforce and is joining a company, in a way, uh, you know what happens, what typically happens when you get a job and you start working with this company is that you spend so much time doing the work that you have to do because it is your responsibility that you forget about networking within other professional organizations and not until you feel like that you need to jump to another job or find a new opportunity you start doing your network by joining professional organizations and that usually is a mistake i think once you enter a new job like if i was talking to the to the young jose right and the young jose is maybe on his uh fourth year the University of Houston at that point you have to be involved already in a professional organization even before you get that new job why because it's just going to add to your resume it's, it's providing value to the resume that you're trying to show to those new employers and guess what by participating on those professional organizations you're going to meet people that are probably going to become the one that is going to give you that job that you're looking for, or is going to be able to connect you with someone else that needs someone uh, with the skills that that young Jose has. So, I mean, that would be my advice uh, to the young Jose.
0: Okay, very good. You're listening to Latinos Who Thrive with special guest, Jose Monterrosa. We'll be right
2: back. Do you want to thrive in 2023? Are you ready to make positive changes in your life? It's important to take control of your life and make intentional choices that lead you towards success and happiness. A coach or mentor can be a valuable resource in helping you to set goals, develop a plan, and stay motivated as you work towards creating the life you desire. If you're interested in seeking out a coach or mentor, it's important to do your research and find someone who aligns with your values and has experience and expertise in the areas you're looking to improve. For more than three decades Victor Escalante has been coaching and training entrepreneurs to live the life they always wanted. Contact Victor today at victorescalante.com or call him at 713-992-8279. Your destiny is calling to you to start your journey towards a designer life. Take action today, We now return you to
0: Latinos Who Drive with special guest, Jose Monterrosa. Now, you have been involved in a lot of very high profile ad campaigns or PR uh, events. Talk to us about what it takes these days in order to continue to have success on the scale that you have been able to achieve Or is it still viable? Has the marketplace changed so much that now you have to be thinking differently about strategy?
1: The thing about marketing and communications is that it changes a lot, very fast. Every year there's a new tool, right? That you need to know how to use or at least have the basic understanding on how to use it. And you have to be smart about uh, when and how to use those tools because, at the end of the day, those are going to help you be more professional and, and deliver on the expectations that the clients have. So, uh, get, getting to understand uh, the value and knowing the tools that are going to provide that value that you're looking for is a challenge uh, within this industry because, it, again, it changes a lot and it changes very fast. Just think about it, just knowing how to place notes on Facebook, it can be a job by itself because changes a lot. They provide, they give or or introduce a lot of updates to the system to the point that you, whatever you learned two years ago may not necessarily apply this time. So that is one thing, it is a challenge. It is a challenge that people need to learn how to navigate. The other thing that I feel like in my particular case has provided me the means to I guess succeed i, I don't want to use that word to describe myself, but let's just use it for explanation purposes is narrowing down on a niche uh making sure that the service that you are providing is has value for a lot of customers, uh, a lot of clients, and that it's not uh populated with multiple competitors to the point that you are basically on a rat race all the time in my particular case i focus first on the latino market so i'm very segment focused not necessarily industry focused and within that market in my role has been almost understanding communities at the micro level and knowing how to engage those communities that by itself requires uh some skills that not a lot of people have or not a lot of members in or a lot of uh professionals in my industry have. So it's it's a unique skill. I feel very comfortable doing it. I'm very good at it, to be quite frank. Uh so feel very comfortable. Even you know the most challenging goals uh by clients are are doable because uh you you get to a point in which you you know what to do, you know which buttons. You need to press because you have done it so many times.
0: And I might say that you have become really the expert on the East End and what it takes in order to to do PR campaigns and advertising strategies for the East End where the heavy concentration of Latinos are.
1: Yes. So so the East End has become almost like my sandbox, right? Uh, And I tell a lot of people the East End is almost like the San Antonio of Houston.
0: It is. Of, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. I yeah. agree. Be- Having lived yeah. in San Antonio.
1: Yeah. <laughs> because the, because of the mix, uh, I think, that of Latinos there and, uh, and, and the history of the entire community. Right. I got to the East End maybe like 13 or 14 years ago. I got a contract with a local client, a very influential client uh, within the area. And, uh, you know, over the years, uh, we have done, I think, a very good job uh, at what we were assigned to do. The job itself became almost like a school uh, to me because it was about changing perceptions, changing the perception that the rest of the Houston community had about the East End. And I was lucky enough to work with a client that was very smart, very clever, very experienced, and a client that allowed me to do the things that I felt needed to be done to be successful. You know, I I don't have any problems uh, saying her name, Diane Schenke. Uh, She used to be the president of the Eastern District. What is? today, the Eastern District, she, at a point, she became almost like a mentor. And just having conversations with her, you understood the way she thought about the community, uh, the vision that she had over the next 15 or 20 years, and the way she uh, decided, this is the way that we are going to move the pieces that we have uh, to change this community. That by itself, to me, was a school and uh, I learned a lot from her, and that allowed me to understand the Eastern community a little bit more. It was very interesting and very very i I enjoyed that opportunity and continue to enjoy it because I continue to do work for them.
0: I want to drill down on on a very important point okay. you've been very successful with the East End Management District because mm-hmm. of your relationship with the former director. Why is it important to have a good fit and to succeed by understanding the relationship that both Mm -hmm. parties bring to the table and let me tell you where i'm going with this question Mm -hmm. a lot of people don't get it that sometimes you can be a bad fit and if you're a bad fit you are doomed from the from the outstart because there's not a good synergism
1: exactly
0: because uh both parties do not understand the proper role that Mm -hmm. is required of each in order to be able to succeed. So I want I want you to talk about that
1: in the particular case of Diane. And when I started working with the Eastern uh, District, she was very respectful from the beginning. I think her leadership style allowed others to actually have the freedom to think and make decisions. Uh, on the things that needed to be done, you I came in as someone that at that point, didn't know anything about the East End, but I knew a thing about Latinos. The process of uh, initiating that relationship with a client, knowing that you are providing value, knowing that that client is uh, giving you the space to provide input uh, and make decisions for them uh that is to me is instrumental uh because many times you will engage clients that are that maybe don't trust you or gaining their trust is going to require a lot of work and that is where the fit many times don't doesn't exist so you have to decide whether you're going to invest on building that fit or simply you're going to say You know what? Maybe I'm not the person for this. Uh, Maybe someone else can do a better job, and just humbly decide to walk out. Again, that that requires leadership and respecting those boundaries that are set, and also meeting the expectations. You know, I guess once you set the boundaries and you allow others to grow, to be themselves, and have the freedom to execute uh, with the skills that you bring to the table, you are set. Once you your first task, your second one, your third one, and they see that you're being successful at what you are accomplishing, then that relationship is simply solid. It's just a matter of continue to grow because the trust has been built, has been solidified, and and each one is executing the way they, they are supposed to.
0: You are a visionary of the future and you're a strategist and a scientist at Studying Trends. Where do you see the East End going in 10 years? And where do you see Houston going in 10 years?
1: Well, the East End is already set. There is only one way for the East End, and that is up. I think that at this point, yeah, you know, when I when I joined or when I started working in the East End, it was still a question mark, right? Uh, But over the years, uh, with the things that have been have been done in the community. I think that at this point is just navigating by itself, and obviously you have to maintain the work that you have been able to build over the years. But uh, it's just growing, and I think that became pretty obvious maybe four or five years ago. The right buttons had been set for that uh, community, and at that point, once you are known within within Houston, within Texas, and other regions. Of the U.S., it's just a matter of letting it run. Obviously, you know managing it, right? But uh, uh, I, I think the East End at this point is going to become something very different from what it was ten years ago. Uh, there is a huge investment going on in the area. There is a lot, a lot of changes, not only on real estate landscape, uh, but also uh, the fact that many parks are going to be built in the area. The East End now has the uh, largest maker hub in Texas, so a lot of investment entrepreneurs, small businesses that are trying to grow within the technology area, a lot of training uh, going on uh, for those that live within the community. So a lot of things are happening, you know, a lot of the strategic things are happening for that community to grow and flourish. In terms of Houston, I think Houston is such a massive see you don't necessarily see i guess on a specific path other than continue to grow on the healthcare medical uh technology is a big thing uh that that is growing in the city obviously oil and gas will continue to remain there right but uh i guess that combination of the technology and and and, and energy And what are those new uh, energy uh, related technologies that are being created? I think that's going to be the future or continue to be the future of Houston. So the pillars of the city, I think, are very solid. They will continue to be there. uh, And we all know what those are. It's just a matter of evolving into something, I guess, more technology driven. As many of us know, there is a lot of investment going on in the city in terms of technology. AI apply to healthcare, to hospitals, to oil and gas, to various industries uh, within the city. It, that is just going to allow the city to uh, build on those pillars that basically sustain the economy uh, of the city. And why not Texas itself,
0: too? Right. Latinos are the largest minority mm-hmm. in Houston uh potentially uh soon to be in Harris County give us Mm -hmm. the upside give us the downside from your perspective
1: the upside is I think is just gaining numbers right by gaining numbers I mean population size I think is critical because uh you know once we have the numbers I think that can basically become the platform to gain uh I guess power comes opportunities I personally would like to see more Latinos on leadership roles, whatever that industry they are in. I think that is critical. And I think that as a community, we have to remind ourselves that, you know, once you are there at that level, in that level, being a director, a vice president, a manager, I think the responsibility is making sure that other Latinos have that opportunity, the opportunity that you have. So we have to make sure that we, we care about each other and continue to grow as a community, right? The downside, I think, is the fact that we have to make sure that we prepare those young Latinos for the jobs of the future. And by that, I mean anything related to technology. I think that there's a lot of, like I mentioned before, a lot of investment in terms of technology. In Houston, there's something like manufacturing 3.0 and 4.0. I mean, the, the numbers continue to grow. I guess we have to invest more on making sure that those young Latinos are educated and trained for those jobs of the future. If not, someone else is going to do it. And if we are thinking about having those leadership roles in key industries in the city, not being trained, not having that education is not going to allow us to gain those leadership roles. You know, one thing is getting educated, right? Uh, And another thing is being successful in the level of education that you're gaining. That is going to require a change of mindset, I think, and making sure that we are not competing among ourselves. We are competing among other communities that are way ahead of us. We need to catch up a lot. That needs to happen. That is something that I carry a lot and care a lot. Make sure that you finish your degree and you finish it on time and that you finish it the right way because finishing it, right way is the thing that is going to allow you to be that ceo that latino ceo and forget about the director and the vp okay i want you to see yourself as the ceo of this large company this global company that operates in houston
0: amen you are uh singing to the choir (laughs) or preaching to the choir uh jose you're a father yes how are you preparing your son and how are you creating his lane uh for the future,
1: knowing what you know. I guess I have to go back when he was born. And the fact that I guess this happens to anyone. We want to become parents. I want to be a dad. I want to have a son. I want to have a daughter. But not until that boy is there or that girl is there. You realize that, okay, this is a life project. <laughs> right? What do I need to do? So I I look quite frankly, I had that shock moment in which I realized this is probably going to be my biggest project, uh, (laughs) making sure that this guy is set on the right track. Yes. So uh, I started talking to people, talking to other parents, reading books, and just knowing what I needed to do. Lucky me, I found a couple of books that basically set the path that I needed to set for myself and for my kid, uh, making sure that In those early years, I set the foundation, setting up the foundation for him. The thing is that I can tell you that at this point, I feel like that worked. uh, Maybe I'm not 100% sure if it worked because of the things that me and my wife did as parents uh, or simply because he hasn't been able to get it, to understand it, and to assume the responsibility of being the top, being the best within his possibilities.
0: Absolutely. uh, Build the self-esteem and give them the necessary preparation and the rest will take care of itself.
1: The rest will take care of itself. And, you know, it it was actually during COVID in which, you know, I had a conversation with the guy and we talked and trying to pick his brain. Right. Uh, And he was what he was about. I think he was like 12, if I get it right. And just having that conversation about where do you see yourself, Domingo? My son's name is Domingo. Yes, and just hearing him talk and he sharing with me his vision, I felt like okay, if I die tomorrow, he's gonna to be okay.
0: Yes, you know? <laughs> good for you, congratulations.
1: And at this point, he's basically a freshman in high school, and I feel even more confident that he is on the right track. I will obviously continue to manage and and be the helicopter parent that I am. Sure, uh, and I say that with time, Uh, but I, I like any parent I want to make sure that he's set on the right track
0: sure in my case uh, my son was interested in becoming a graphic designer so Uh when he was around 11 I took him Mm -hmm. to a tv studio okay I got uh, the people there to give him Mm -hmm. uh, a tour and to show him the future of animation in tv Mm -hmm. and how a graphic design career would open mm-hmm. up all kinds of interesting opportunities uh, uh, for him, and he's just starting college now, pursuing that uh, degree.
1: Awesome. Congratulations. I think, I think that that's the role that we have to play, right? Providing those opportunities to inspire them. Absolutely.
0: Right? You must immerse them and, and help them to dream their dream uh, even yes. better and even bigger than what yes. they
1: imagined. So, one of the things that I tell him, my son, is that basically what I just said to you uh, that at some point you have to get to that leadership position that you envision to be. And you have to make sure that you set the trend for other Latinos that are going to be entering the workforce once you are, you know, once you have reached that level that you envision to have. So, uh, that needs to continue. It doesn't, and it will not end with me. It will not end with him. And it shouldn't end with the ones that he will probably embrace and bring within the company, uh, wherever, whatever that company is, right?
0: I want your take uh, on one final point. Dr. Kleinberg, former Mm -hmm. uh, Rice University sociologist, Mm -hmm. says that as goes Houston, Texas goes, so goes the nation. Mm -hmm. What's your take on that comment?
1: Well, he's saying that for a reason, right? And he, he's a—he's obviously an expert uh, on data, and he analyzes data from all over the country. And I mean, I take his word. Dr. Kleinberg is someone that I respect a lot. I admire the guy. I felt kind of sad when he uh, basically retired because he's such a, a strong and solid value for the city. But the thing is that I am a follower, I believe what he says. And I think that, that the trend uh, that Houston is setting for the rest of the country uh, eventually it will reach those places where maybe Latinos are not necessarily a majority right now. I believe that at some point the U.S. of maybe 2040 is going to look a lot different from the U.S. from the 1960s or 40s, right? Yes. Uh, The projection
0: is that by 2040, Latinos will be the largest demographic in America, even if you shut the borders down. If you were to shut down the borders by 2040, and probably those estimates need to be revised because uh, I'm going back 10 years when I read that estimate, Mm -hmm. that Latinos will Mm -hmm. be the largest majority in America. Some reports call it the browning of America.
1: And the thing that goes with that is the, I guess, the interaction of different races, forgetting about clusters, right? Some states being like very uh, protective of their communities. I guess the trend is, I guess, more mixed of races in the US, uh, which is something to my knowledge didn't necessarily happen before. Right. I mean, who knows? We, we may end up with a totally different person that we know today who knows Uh, we live in
0: interesting times for sure
1: we're living in interesting times and and you know i mean i guess other regions of the globe are experiencing the same thing i mean europe is is changing as far as i know so uh migration and the i guess the mix of races uh and ethnic uh groups is something that is that is going to change this country a lot in the future
0: absolutely Jose, I want to thank you for being a guest on our show today. You have brought some very interesting uh, points uh, to the table. Any final sure. words?
1: I mean, just thank to you for the invitation and allowing me to share my thoughts right, about uh, what my experience has been as a business owner, uh, what my vision is for the Latino community, that I care a lot. And just maybe, or hopefully triggering uh, a conversation that we need to continue to have among ourselves and among other members of the community, just to make sure that we uh, Latinos, Hispanics, whatever you want to call us, uh, succeed. Uh, I think that we owe that to ourselves. The secret is not necessarily on the numbers. The secret is on the knowledge, I think, or a combination of numbers and knowledge. So we need to continue to build that knowledge. You know, We need to make sure that we compete fairly and cleanly with other communities that are already successful in Houston, Texas, and the U.S.
0: Absolutely. We will yeah. have your contact information in the show notes. If someone wants to reach out to you, uh, be sure and tell Jose that you heard him on Latino Sutra. Prince, Thank you that's very all much. we got for you uh, today. And Jose, a good uh, connecting with you after so many years and we'll be in touch. And I look forward to seeing your future trajectory.
1: Thank you very much.